Praise God. Man, come on. Just welcome somebody else. Shake their hand really hard and make them get alive this morning. So, man, I got the joy of the Lord today. Praise God. Woo! I like it. This world didn't give you the joy. It ain't going to take it away. Woo! Glory, glory. Amen. John 15, 11 says, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Amen. Jesus came and did it so you could walk in joy. Hallelujah. Woo. Good morning. So great to be with you this morning. If you need an offering envelope, raise your hand. Our ushers will get you one. There was one in your bulletin if you got one this morning. Um, uh, let's see. Kids of Blaze is going on next door, ages 5 to 10. They're having their own amazing Church service, Blazing for Jesus. Uh, women's Bible studies meeting this Thursday, 945. Uh, God's Girls having their meeting this Thursday at 6 p.m. in the fellowship hall. Uh, it's a fall theme. If you didn't get the postcard, just like bring something fallish, and it's going to be an amazing time of fellowship. The plan, Genesis 20, I'm sorry, Genesis 42. I, Genesis 42, Psalms 42, Proverbs 11, Isaiah 22, Mark 14, Romans 14. Are y'all staying up? How many of you are ahead? How many of you are behind? <laughs> Perfect. Excellent. Okay. The 513s, our youth, are, they meet every Saturday at 6 o'clock, and Christy just told me that they had 18 youth. Woo! That's so awesome. Really great. So they meet uh, every Saturday over in the Fellowship Hall at 6 p.m., also, I wanted to remind you guys about the Emmaus Walk that's coming up. Uh, if you have your applications, Nick, in the back there, you can give your applications to him. If you need an application, you're going to have to probably go to the website because Sugar's not here today. You don't have any, do you? No? Okay. Yeah, so just go to the website, uh, firstunitedmethodistchurch.org. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Okay. Okay, the Waterhole app. How many of you have the Waterhole app? Oh, good. Majority. Beautiful. I mean, if you want to stay connected and know everything that's going on, and it is the best way to give if you're giving online, it's the Waterhole app. Go to the app. It's going to be the most concise. It's got everything's there. It's got the plan. It's got the confessions. It's got the past messages. It's got the ways to give to the Waterhole. It's got the ways to give to Living Waters Outreach. It's, it's just the best place to go. You need the Waterhole app. And if you don't have it, go to the App Store. It's free. The Waterhole. It's a, it's a, this signal, this thing right here, I think that's what it looks like. Anyway, that's the way that we do it. Also, it's the third Sunday. Uh, Gail handed me her change. She's like, third Sunday change offering for the kids. So we, we've been doing this forever. And so if you have any change in your pocket, it all goes to Kids Ablaze. And then we give it to our kids at Casa Angelina whenever Brother Ivan comes at the end of the year. So we like to just do that. So just save your change. And we... We give it, and the kids get to bless um, our kids down in Casa Angelina with that offering. So anyway, and if you don't know about the water hole, we just have, we, it's, we're just like out there all over the place, Kenya, Guatemala, Mexico, Wales, like we're everywhere, y'all. We are, we are sowing seed into so many great places, and so I just want you to know, when, when you give to the Waterhole, we partner with the Waterhole $30 a month, so it's a dollar a day, $30 a month, and if you want to partner with us to help us get that, you know, that outreach out there, and then, you know, your tithe goes to Living Waters, and that takes care of all the outreach inside our church, amen? We have kids, we have teenagers, we have adults, we have all kinds of amazing stuff going on in our church, so anyway, Anyway, thank you so much for partnering with us and being a part of it. 
The scripture I want to give you is what you read hopefully this last week if you're doing the plan. Proverbs 10, 22. I'm sure you all saw it. It says, the blessing of the Lord makes you rich. Everybody say rich. rich. And he adds no sorrow to it. How beautiful is that? That word blessing means prosperity and a liberal pool. How many of you like that you can always have a liberal pool to go to tap into, right? That's the blessing of the Lord. He makes it rich. He makes you rich, and he adds no sorrow. Amen? Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to come in here and worship you with our tithes and offerings. We're so grateful for the increase that you bring into our lives every single day. We thank you for the gift of Jesus. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, and we just thank you, Father, for your presence so we can experience you. And I thank you for the word that's going to go forth today, that it goes into the good ground of our hearts, and it produces a great harvest, that you are, uh, that it brings you glory, Father. That is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. just say uh, before I get going in the message this morning that uh, I want to just thank everybody for blessing us for pastor's appreciation and doing that and appreciating us I think I get to pastor the greatest church on the face of the earth and so I appreciate y'all appreciate everything your love offerings your gifts your cards and um, everything else amen and uh, so look at the person beside you say way to go now, I'm going to preach a message to you this morning, <clears throat> very simple message. It is so simple, if you don't watch it, you're just going to say, oh, yeah, I you know that. You're in trouble if you do that, because, you know, we. the Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, how can I go on and give, be giving you meat if you can't even take the milk? And so some, sometimes we miss the simple things in life. You know what I mean? We miss just the simple trusting in the Lord, the simple faith in his word. Just We miss the simple things and we just get, you know, trying to go on to the deeper things. Listen to me. You don't need to know what's happening in the third realm of the heavens if you can't deal with what's going on in your own house. Right. And, and I've seen Christians like that, you know, just going to be trying to be super spiritual giants. And I, I do believe we always need to be stretching ourselves. But sometimes we just forget the simple. All right. And so this morning's this very simple message. But uh, as I was doing yesterday, it brought me great joy. And then I didn't know they were going to sing that song. And so that's why I was going to stand on that song, because it just brought me great joy, brought me great liberty. Just made me feel like, like, you know, everything's OK. You know, because I'm telling you, if you if you if you're wrapped up in the world and what's going on in the world, the news of the world and everything, I mean, folks, it's looking pretty bleak. 
Hello? There's no good word coming out. It doesn't look like things are going to get any better. It doesn't matter what's going to happen, you know, and I'm just saying you start looking at this kind of stuff. Well, then you're going to get depressed. You're going to stay depressed. You're going to stay in doom and gloom. You're going to think, oh, my gosh, what do I need to do? Have I got enough of this? Have I got enough of that? And I can already tell you, you don't have enough. Listen to me. There's no way you're going to you're going to store up food or anything else and have it all set for everything. You're not going to. I mean, eventually it's going to run out. But praise God, the love of God never runs out. Praise God, his word's never going to run out. You're never going to open up your Bible someday and it's just not going to have words in there. It's not like there's a, an expiration on it. This morning when I was doing this message up, I, uh, I don't know what I did. All of a sudden, it just went away. And I was like, oh, Jesus, it just went away. And then I started laughing to myself because when I first started out preaching, you know, 35 years ago, I, uh, I hand wrote everything down because that's the only way to do it. And, and so I hand wrote everything down. So I had these big notebooks with all the message and I had to write the scripture out and I had to do everything out. You know, it took me hours and hours and hours to do it. Now I'm just copying and pasting, just putting everything. And then I lost it there for a second. I was like, and I thought, ah, you big sissy. You know, I used to sit in there with, you know, I had my Strong's Concordance out, you know, and going through page by page, have four or five books all spread out. Take me days to work up one message, you know. And not now. You can just flip over there. Thank God for the Internet. But if it was gone, there'd be a world panicking. <laughs> Hello? How many of y'all used to memorize phone numbers? They say, oh, I want to call so-and-so. And you'd say, oh, yeah, well, their number is la-da-da-da-da. Now, how many of us we say, uh, hold on a minute. Let me go. It's in my phone here somewhere. I don't remember nothing, right? I sometimes don't even remember. We still have a, a, a landline at the house. I don't know what it is. You know, I just don't, uh, you know, you just don't ever think about it. So we've gotten a really used to electronics. But anyway, praise God, the word of God is always going to be there for you. Okay. So I want you to get your Bibles out. I want you to go to Proverbs 23, 26 is where I want to start this morning. The title of this message, I think, is just stay in the word, but uh, it could change before I get through. Proverbs 23, 26. It says, my son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. That's pretty simple, isn't it? I mean, how much more simpler? God just says, look, give me your heart and then just observe my ways or observe my word. That's all you need to do. Give God your heart and observe the word, all right? So let's go to a story here. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. Luke 5, 1. This is one of the stories that I can really visualize, okay? Because Jesus is out. He's going out by the seashore, and uh, I can see the water splashing up around there. Peter and all of his crew got their boats in there. They've been out all night. They've been fishing. They hadn't caught anything. They're washing their nets. They're disgusted. They got nothing to make. They made no money. They worked all night. They're tired. They're sore. They're whatever and got nothing to show for it, right? And here's this preacher standing there. Well, he's just standing there kind of in their way, right? I mean, Peter, Peter just docked his boat there, but Jesus has just come down. And so he can't like tell him to get out of there. And so they're cleaning their nets. They can't leave the nets and Jesus is free. So he's got to listen to the message. So he's like a forced audience. 
right? So it says in Luke 5, 1, it says, So it was as a multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. He saw the two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them, and they were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. So he sat down and he taught them, the multitudes from the boat. Now when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Now launch out in the deep and let down your net for a catch. But Simon said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Now here you go. Nevertheless, everybody say nevertheless. <laughs> At your word, I will let down the net. So Peter, something's happening and a transformation's taking place in Peter. He's been sitting there listening to Jesus preach, right? And then something, faith is risen in his heart. He's saying, this guy, this guy, this guy's got something. This guy's making some sense. He's, he's, you know, he, like I said, he was forced into the, to listening to Jesus. Wasn't like he paid his admission at the door and got in. Right? He just picked his boat, pushed out and said, all right, Lord, I'm going to trust you. Nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to let down my net. Well, you know the rest of the story. Let down the net, caught more fish than they ever caught. The nets are almost breaking, right? Put, put some good confirmation to Peter trusting the word. All right. I don't know how many times in my life I've been at that place where, you know, I, I, was, I was there with Peter. And I was like, Lord, it doesn't seem like things are working right. It doesn't seem, seem like everything's lining up like it should be. But Lord, nevertheless, at your word, I want to keep going forward. Nevertheless, Lord, what you said, I'm going to believe, I'm going to trust, and I'm going to go forward. Amen. Well, I believe a day's coming. Now, you know, like I said, you get to heaven and I'm wrong. Y'all can all walk over there and throw stones at me or whatever. But I just believe that we've been through a hard time. And I believe, I truly believe that things are not going to, in the world, are not going to get better. But I do believe things in the Christian world are about to get better. I believe we're crossing a line and we're, or we're turning a corner or we're, you know, humped up over the rock. I don't know how to look at it. But anyway, I believe something's going to come where you're going to start to see quicker answers to your prayers. Where the attack of the enemy that's been on Christians for so long and trying to oppress us and put us down, all of a sudden is going to change. Now. We'll see how that all comes about and how all that works. But I just believe that God's going to grace the church with liberty. Those true believers. Now, the ones that are in error, well, they're going to get just what they're preaching. So anyway, so how many of y'all, I, I, I mean, you like to read a book. And maybe you follow an author, like every time he puts a new book out, you know, you, oh, that's so-and-so wrote that. I, I really like that book. Is that, y'all ever do that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I read the newspaper once. <clears throat> well, even though the Bible is put together of a lot of different people put it together, Moses, the prophets, Isaiah, you know, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, these, but it's truly the author of the Bible is God, right? This is what he wrote. He inspired men to put it down, but it's his words to you. All right. And it's his promises to you. Now, let me ask you a question. All right. How many promises do you think are in the Bible for you? How many? Take a wild guess. Well, I know they're all there, but I'm saying how many's all? Well, don't give me all of them. How many? How many do you think there is? 
6,000. I got a 6,000 going once. I got any other? Got any else that want to up that bid? 6,000. 7,000. Eight. Have y'all ever thought about it? How many promises? Well, I've researched this before and I started researching it again and looking at it. It's really kind of hard to pinpoint exactly how many promises are because one verse can contain five promises, you know, and it gets real complicated trying to go through there. One one author I was looking at, one theologian I was looking at his stuff, he says 88,000. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, whatever. But, but there's a bunch, a majority say there's an easy seven to 8,000 promises in the word, an easy, easy to pick out seven or 8,000, seven or 8,000 promises. <laughs> That's a lot. I mean, my kids, I love them all my heart, but I don't think I've given them 7,000 promises. Think about that for a minute. Right? I'll promise I'll take care of you. Promise I'll love you. Right? And then some of us, you know, we're even shorter on words. And so you won't even have that many promises out. But you know what I'm saying? And then God writes a book. And in the book, the author of the book, tells you, let's just, let's just use 7,000 for our, our benchmark, gives you 7,000 promises of things that he said that he would do for you if you would believe him. That's a lot, right? I mean, I could sum it up in five, you know? You know, if God just said, look, I'll always love you. I'll make sure when you die, you'll be here with me. Uh, I'm going to bless you and make sure that you prosper on this earth and your children prosper. Let's call that even the fourth promise, right? And, I'm, and then the, the fifth one, I'm always going to be good to you. I mean, I'd take those five, right? Forget all the others. I'd take just those five and say, okay, Lord, I'll do it. I'll sign up. But there's 7,000. 7,000. Now, go to Hebrews chapter 6. So what's funny about this is while I was working on this message and, and having fun with the Lord and, and uh, thinking about this whole message, I, I said to the Lord, because I was looking up all these other theologians that are out there in the world and they, you know, have books out, 40 promises of God, you know, this, that, and the other. And I thought, man, I, so I said, I said, I ought, to, I ought to write a book on the promises of God. And then as I sat there for a minute, I thought, you know, seems like I did. <laughs> so I went over there, started digging through all my stuff and pulling around. Sure enough, pulled up a little old pamphlet I put out probably 25 years ago. The Promises of God. It's in the bookstore for sale. I actually thought I was going to drive down here, had to get one out of the bookstore or find one around there to, to get one, but I found the one I had at the house. And so I sat down years ago used some other resources and myself, and went through, and I went through every book in the New Testament. So listed in here, just they're just listed. They're just a scripture in the listings of all the promises in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right on through, Acts, Romans, all, all the deal, till you get to the book of Revelation. And so I had, if I can get that far enough away, I don't know why I stopped at 259. You'd have thought I'd have come up with 260, 
But anyway, it ended up 259 promises. So need to say I got a lot of points this morning. 259 points we're going to go through. <laughs> Might be here for a while. But my point is, see, I wrote this up. And I wrote it for myself because I was wanting to see, I was wanting to know all the promises, right? And so I sat down and started writing this up and I thought, well, everybody, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give you all some cheat notes. But yet, after all these years, I forgot I even did it. It's real easy to do that with the Lord. You know, he gives you a revelation. He gives you something. You, 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 you get hold of something and then life just comes on and then you start going on and then you go on to the next thing and you forget about the first revelation, because I'm telling you, I did this at least, at least 25 years ago. And then today, I thought about it and said, oh, yeah, I did do that. Hello? So I was kind of like, shame on me. Right? So sometimes we forget the simple things because we're trying to go on to the bigger things. But if we'd have got the simple things down really good in our life, we would have made the bigger things come easier. So Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 is a story here where, uh, let me just read it. For when God made a promise to Abraham, he's talking about the Abrahamic covenant. He made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely blessings I will bless you and multiply I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by greater for an oath of confirmation is for them to the end of all dispute. Thus God determined to show more the immutability of the heirs of the promise, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it is possible for God, which is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for a refuge to lay hold of the hope that's set before us. So God, wanting to affirm to us that the 7,000 promises, like I said, don't hold me to that number. I'm just using that as a number. The 7,000 promises that he wrote in his word to us, in his book, he wrote his love story down here, and he wrote it to us, and he put 7,000 promises, and he wanted to make sure you knew that he was going to keep the promises that he said. So he said, I, I can't swear by somebody on earth, because even if I swore by Abraham, Abraham is not powerful enough to make me keep my promise. Because if you're going to cut a covenant, you've got to have somebody that's strong enough outside the covenant to make sure that the person who said the covenant will fulfill it. You following me here? So God said, I couldn't, I couldn't find nobody else to swear by. I couldn't, I couldn't find anybody else to, 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 to hold me to my word. So I had to swear to myself. So I don't know how he did it. You know, but... Say so he stood to himself, said, okay, you're going to keep your promises to the people. And then he turned over and said, I'm big enough to keep you, to make you keep your promises to the people. So you're going to keep your promises to the people. And he said, okay, I said, I'm going to keep my word to the people. And so by God, I'm going to do it. And he said, yeah, you are. I'm going to see that you're going to do it. <laughs> right? He swore by himself that he was going to have to keep the promises and, he, and self is going to make him do it. So he wrote all the promises down and gave us to him. You know? Somewhere between 7,000 and 88,000. <laughs> I don't know. Lots of them. Wrote all these promises down to his people, but he swore. You got to understand this. This is where your faith has to be. God said, I'm a man that I can't. I'm not like a man. I'm not going to lie. I cannot lie. If I lie, I cease to exist. Right. Just hear the simplicity of this. See, this is where your mind can just dismiss it. 
God says, I cease. I will cease to exist if I lie to you. If I said you're blessed and then I don't bless you, I lied and the world will cease to exist. Everything will go out of whack because God's keeping it all going. See, when you're quoting your word and you're speaking your word and you're declaring the promises for your life, when the devil has gotten in your head and his worm has worked in you and you don't believe God loves you anymore. And you say, oh, God, I don't think you love me. I don't feel loved. I'm lonely. Don't feel appreciated. Then God says, no, I love you. And he said, I don't think you love me. You've got to understand, you're calling him a liar. You're, in, you're boldly standing in the face of Almighty God saying, you're a liar. <sighs> I mean, come on, folks. That's pretty gutsy. But the devil has that ability to skin in our ear and lie to us. And then we end up believing the lie, not the promise. Because we're not looking at what's backing up the promise. What's backing up the promise is Almighty God backing it up because he himself is going to make sure that he himself does it. Look at Hebrews 10.23. Hebrews 10.23. Like I said, this is a simple message, but it's, it's complicated in the sense that we get, we get talked out of it. We get talked out of the blessings of God. We get talked out of the promises of God all the time, every day. Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. So we're supposed to hold fast our confession. We're supposed to hold fast saying, no, God, you're going to take care of this situation. Listen to me. I don't know what's going to happen in the world. I don't know how things are going down. I have my own thoughts that I don't share a whole lot with with the church because I don't like to. I mean, what's going to happen in the end is going to happen in the end no matter what. Right. Whether I taught you about it or not, it's going to happen. But I do know this. Jesus is coming back. I do know that he's not leaving us here alone. I do know that beyond a shadow of a doubt that if I was to die today, I'm going to heaven. I know that I can promise you that heaven is real. I can promise you that you have it. There is a hereafter. Hello? And I can, I can promise you guys. Don't say, now, am I, going to pro- I can't stand up here this morning and tell you that you're not going to suffer. That, that, that our electricity grid may go off. We may have another winter like we did whenever that was. It was the winter from hell. Right? I can't promise you that. I can't promise you that stock prices are going to stay up. I can't promise you that gas is, we're not going to see $10 a gallon gas. Right? I can't promise you that, that these little blessings in, in Washington can't get things more messed up. Hello? Right. I can't I can't promise you that how the election is going to go. I can't promise you there's not going to be something little shady happening. But I can promise you this, no matter what they do, God's going to already be ahead of them. They may think they got it all figured out, but they got it all figured out. Bible says that when the, the nations are all just in a in a in a just a hoopla going on, just just stirred up. That God's sitting in the heavens laughing. Like, you think he got it figured out? Listen, the Chinese aren't going to win. The Chinese don't have anything to do with my destiny getting to heaven. Amen. The Russians don't. That's right. Right. That's right. God bless them. I want them to get saved. I've got seeds sowed in those lands. Yes, I, 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 this whole war in the Ukraine's grieved me because we I, this church has got seed in that country we have placed in there. 
And I got people that I know and people that I love and people that got saved under the ministry there. And, and I'm thinking, gosh, where are they, Lord? Bless them, help them. I don't, I, you know, God, just protect them. I, I don't, you know, I don't even know how to pray. Or, or are, they, are they crying out in a ditch somewhere? And then I get excited and think, I, I just thank you, Lord, that they, they found you. Because, yes. see, when I was over there in the Ukraine in the early 90s, it was the only place I never forget. It was, it was the, the only place that I ever almost got killed. All right. And, uh, and it was my fault. I was almost trampled to death because I stepped out in a crowd full of a thousand hungry people. And I had some tracks and I thought I was going to just pass these things out and give them these little a bit of the gospel. And I thought I was just going to be able to go out there and just pass them out. And when they saw what it was, they began to mob me. And a little girl fell down in the middle of it and I stopped to help the little girl and they started pushing me down, all trying to get the tracks. And the only way I could get out of it is I took them and I threw them as far as I could away from me so that everybody went over to there. And then I helped this little girl up and got her up on the stage so she wouldn't get trampled. And I thought, my Lord, I was almost killed trying to preach the gospel. It was the same crowd that I, I, was, I, was, I was preaching and I, and, I, and I never forget, I gave an altar call and I didn't know what to do. I was just young in the ministry and just on fire and wild, and, and, and I was preaching, and I said, you know, and I said, if you want to accept Jesus, just come to the front. I mean, I'm not thinking, I never did big meetings like this, and I had, you know, there was, there was probably 2,000 people there that night, and I'd never, just me and some, some other Ukrainians, and I don't know what to do, so I said, just come forward, and the whole crowd just moved forward. I'm like, okay, that didn't work. You know, I don't know what to do with you now. And then so I just got him to, you know, just lift your hand and pray, whatever. It was just, it was just craziness, craziness thing going on. Miracles, all things happening. So I had to believe that those people, wherever they are, you know, God's with them and, and are blessing them. But when it all boils down to the simplicity of it, God's in charge. He's in charge. But are we going to put our faith in it or at this day and time and this hour, are we going to slip back into worrying about the world, worrying about the situation, worrying about what's taking place? Or are we going to rest, take the rest of faith in God and his promises that what he promised, we believe he's able to perform. Okay. So I wrote 15 down. We'll see how far I get. I just wrote 15 promises down. All right. The very first promise. Not. No, let me reset. This is no like the very first promise out of Genesis. I'm just saying the first one I'm delivering to you. OK. God, don't 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 do that to me. Robert said the first promise. No, no, no. I'm just saying I've just got 15 of them here. Let's pick them out. The first one is God's promises never fail. How, of course, that's only the first one. Right. Joshua 21, 45. Now, I just want to encourage you, if you're taking notes this morning, if you just write these 15 down and just start really deliberating on them and looking at them and meditating on them and going over them and look, getting these down into your heart that you can say these 15, you're going to be, you're going to be a giant because these 15 are going to cause you to be hungry for more and then you're going to go for the 7,000 or the 259 out of the New Testament. Joshua 21, 45 says, not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord has spoken to the house of Israel all came to pass. God's word always comes to pass. Isaiah 55, 11 says, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it'll accomplish what I please and it'll prosper in the thing that I sent it. 
God's word's never going to fail. He's standing behind his promise. You've got to understand that the very first foundational thing you're standing on is because you got saved and you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. The promises of God, all of them are yours. Paul said in Corinthians there, yes and amen to you. God's saying, yeah, 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 they're yours. Hello? All of them. No matter what you need. No matter what's coming on. There is no rare sickness that God doesn't have covered in the word. There is no strange situation you've gotten yourself into that God doesn't have covered in the word. Nothing. Nothing. There's nothing out there that can come that God doesn't have covered in his word that you're blessed. It's just, are you going to believe it? I mean, that's a simple fact. Are you going to believe it? Because faith has to be manifest in you to believe the word for you to see the word come to pass. That's the only, that's the only thing is faith. Believe. Everybody say believe. believe. They call us believers. Right? Christians are supposed to be known as believers. But are we? Are we believers or doubters? Let's go join to this church because they're known as the doubters. How about this? Let me just throw a little poke out there for a second. The Bible says, judge not, lest you be judged. Do you believe it? Ooh, but have you judged? Ooh, within the moment you judged, what you were saying to God is you didn't believe that that was true. There's no fear of God. I always laugh, man, I, 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 and I don't know, you know, God, the Bible says that he has a destiny for us all and a purpose, and I can still remember when I was a, a young man that the guys were looking to do something bad, and they were throwing out that night what, what we could go do to do something, tear something up, and one of the guys said, let's go break into the church, and I mean, I, I don't know Jesus, but I throwed down. I said, I'll fight all of you. Ain't nobody breaking in the church. You're going to go into church? Are you serious? I said, God, I'll kill you. <laughs> and they're all looking at me like, what is up with you? And I'm like, man, that's ridiculous. I mean, that's it. I'll fight every one of you. Ain't nobody breaking in that church. I ain't even going to call the cops. I'm going to beat you right out there on the grass. <laughs> you try to break in the church. I just got angry and just violent with them. Because there was something inside of me that the fear of God was there that I'm like, man, you don't mess with God. Now, I'd have run over everybody's mailbox, but I wasn't going to, you know, do that. I mean, that's something totally different. I mean, I got to tell you the truth. I mean, I had other thoughts in my mind, but the church was off limits. All right. But you see, people don't believe it. And so what happens, what I'm saying is we're called believers, but yet we'll judge when the Bible plainly says, judge not, least you be judged. Oh, yes, I'm a believer. That sorry dog over there. Do you see him over there? Yeah, he said, pull the plank out of your own eye before you go... Talking about what's in theirs. All right, let me go on. I want y'all are going to start not looking at me anymore. <laughs> the second one here. God is always good. Psalms 119.68. It says, you are good and do good. So teach me your statutes. All right. Exodus 33.19. He says, I'll make all my goodness pass before you. God made his goodness pass before Moses. Ain't no badness in God. How about James 1.17 says every good and perfect gift comes down from heaven above. God is good. Everybody say God's good. God's good. 
I'm telling you, there ain't no bad in God. When something bad is happening to you in life, do not start, turn around and say, God, why are you doing this to me? You got to understand there's a, there's a law going on here. It's just like the law of gravity. You pick something up, it's going to fall to the ground. I, I, I guarantee you, how many of y'all want to bet that when I drop this, it's going to hit the stage? Does, is there any taker that says this baby may float? Now, see, I wish I had this trick all set up, my wire hanging there. Y'all couldn't see just to watch everybody go, what? But under normal stances, normal circumstances, without me cheating here, everybody want to everybody say it's going to hit the stage? Why? Because of the law of gravity, right? Well, there is a law of sowing and reaping. So you act ugly, well, ugly's coming back. It happens. It's not God's fault. It's the law of sowing and reaping that's enacted in this world that's working all the time. There's a ripple effect of sowing and reaping. But God didn't do it to you. It may have happened because of what you did in the past is catching up with you. But God will deliver you from it if you'll turn to him and say, hey, God, get me out of this mess. Okay? But God is good. There ain't no bad in him. The third one here. Here we go. God is always with you. He's always with you. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So he promised. You're going to keep those promises. You're, I'm going to make sure you keep those promises that he would never leave you nor forsake you. So then if you can never leave you or forsake you, then the feeling of being lonely and, with, and God doesn't love you has to be demonic. Because the truth is, God said he'd never leave you or forsake you. Do you hear, see, hear what I'm saying this morning, church? Joshua 1, 9 says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, and do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go? So no matter what, God is always with you. So then the feelings of loneliness, discouragement, depression, anxiety, all those things are alive the enemy. And your job is to... What I said in Hebrews 10, 23 is to keep your confession going and keep your faith going and believe in what God said he's going to do. God, you're with me. Lord, I'm feeling rotten today, but God, you're with me. Are y'all following me? Yeah. It's simple, but it's powerful. The minute you enter into faith and believe in God for his promises, all of a sudden the supernatural begins to work in your life and begins to operate in you. As long as your confession coming out of your mouth is, we ain't going to make it. We're going down. Ship's going down. Lord of mercy. Where are you, God? Well, you've set your course for exactly what's coming out of your mouth. Number four, God is always faithful. Look, he's never early, but he's always on time. And the only reason why we, he didn't get there early is because we had the timing wrong. We had the timing wrong. But Hebrews 10, 23, I read earlier, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without waver. He who promised is faithful. You got 2 Timothy 2, 13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. These are promises to you that God will always be faithful. So you've been rejected. You've had unfaithfulness in your life. And you've listened to them. Well, I can't trust anybody. They, you know, everybody, they're all... They're all going to do it. They're all going to cheat me somehow. It's all, everybody's going to be unfaithful. They're not going to take care of this. They're going to do this and this. That's going through your head? 
Well, you're not believing what the word of God says that the God Almighty's promise to you is he's going to be faithful to you. See, I don't I don't listen to me, folks. People get this wrong. I may have a title called pastor, but listen to me. Being a pastor doesn't get me any brownie points with God, because I know that the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six that without faith, it's impossible to please him. And so I know that everything operates by faith. My faith is not in, well, Lord, I've been a pastor. No, that didn't count anything. My faith is, Lord, you said. Lord, you said you'd always be faithful. That's where my that's where my joy starts coming from. That's where my faith starts rising up. And I'm like, yeah. Take some of that, devil. The fifth one, God is kind and compassionate. Isaiah 54, 10 says, for the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord of hosts, says the, who has mercy on you, says the Lord who has mercy on you. God is kind and compassionate. He's never, listen, God, I, I can't call him up on the phone and he's grumpy. You ever call somebody up and talking to them and you're like, you're listening to them and you're just like, are you having a bad day? Yeah, it ain't too good. They're short, right? Hello? Y'all ever had a phone call like that? <coughs> you're finding that short, cold, whatever. You're not going to talk to God and he's like, what? What do you want now? You again? My goodness. How many times are you going to do this before you get this? Are you really that thick-headed? You don't hear things like that from God. Why? Because God is kind and he's compassionate. He's always going to be. He's always going to be. Ephesians 2, 6 and 7. It says, and he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show. Look at the, that in the ages to come he might show his, the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us. What? God made this world. Do we all have an agreement on that? Yeah. And he's made all these amazing things. An orchid. Right? Just these amazing, beautiful, glorious things that we see. But he says he has exceeding riches and his grace. In kindness towards us. How big, how much, how big is the pot of exceeding kindness? Think about that. With us humans, our exceeding kindness reaches to whatever we have on the inside of us. And if we're, if we're not, our cup ain't very full, you ain't going to get much more. Hello? You catch somebody having a bad day and their cup is short, you're not going to get a lot of grace. Right? But now, wait a minute. God says, I'm going to give you my exceeding riches. Exceeding. How big is that? Mm. But we got the devil over here convincing us that God's not going to do anything for us. We got the devil convinced that, uh, the devil's convinced us that, you know, the ship's sinking. Do y'all see how silly we can be? Look at the person beside you said, I think he's talking about you. He couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. We get so full of doubt and unbelief. That's what this whole message is just charging all about. And I know it's simple preaching, but I'm just telling you, I'm charging you up because we get full of doubt and unbelief. We get over there looking and don't believe God can take care of us. 
or get us out of the situation or make a way for us or bless us or, oh my gosh, what are you going to do? That report is too great. I guess it's over. I'm going. I guess I'm going to die of this sickness. Listen, I guess it's going to kill me. It's too complicated. Ah, Becoming electrically charged again. Are y'all following me here? And in, and in one way, I'm, I'm, giving, I'm preaching this message to you so you can get happy. In another way, I'm slapping you on the back at the, at the same time. Because we don't do it. Myself. I'm kicking myself sometimes. Why, why did I even listen to that? Why did I even entertain that stupid demonic thought for just a moment? Right? And we're just like, oh, what am I doing? My God, you're exceeding riches and your kindness towards me. That's enough to engulf everything. Number six. I got to move along. Number six, you hear the, Hear me, hear me, everybody hear me. You're designed for a purpose. You were designed for a purpose. It says in Ephesians 1, 4 and 5, he chose us in him before the foundations of the world that we should be holy without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasures of his will. God has a destiny for you, has a plan for you, has a purpose for you, each and every one of you. And your purpose in life, we're all different. We're all different. I was, I was telling uh, Jimmy before the service that I, I watched yesterday on a, a video, and, and it was showing all these old great preachers, you know, the big theologians from Bible college and stuff like that, and I was watching, and they had clips of them, and, and, and I was looking at the style, how different they all were. You know, you had the one that makes this astounding point, you know, and then he just pauses and doesn't say anything. You got the other guys flying all over the stage, you know. You got the one that's just spit flying, preaching, and you got the next one over there that just says something so gently. God has all of us called to a different purpose and a different plan, and you just need to be who you are in God's plan. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You have a purpose in life. Your purpose in life is to affect all the people around you with the goodness of God. To show everybody around you that you are a believer. Everybody say, I'm a believer. Come on, one more time. Say, I'm a believer. Okay, you got the seventh one. Now, this one I love. God loves you no matter what. You can be a fool. God still loves you. You can do the stupidest thing in the world. God still loves you. It says Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. You can't be separated. No matter what you do, you cannot be separated. God still loves you. You may not love yourself. Hello? You may not love yourself, but God still loves you. You can't get away from the love of God. No matter where you go, to the heights or the depths, God's love's always going to be there for you. It's a promise. So when you think, oh, I can't believe I screwed up so much, you got to stop and say, God, I just thank you that you love me. I'm a believer, and I believe what your promise says, that you love me. The moment you do that, there's a, there's, there's, there's a supernatural force that takes place in the spirit because you are using the faith God has given you. The faith begins to 
you know, churn on the inside of you. It connects to the promise that God has given you. And there's supernatural events start, the wheels start moving, the cogs start moving, these events start taking place because you're operating in faith in believing in the promise. That's how it works. That's how it works. And see, this is where we, let me go back to my box of tissues over here. When I'm about to drop it, your, I'll say your faith is all saying it's going to fall, Right? But when it's just sitting here on the ground, you don't really think about it much. But if there was no gravity, it'd be flying off. You're not thinking about it. It's just sitting there. It's just where we don't think you're not sitting there holding your breath in a minute that this bunch of flowers right here might just fly off. And I say, oh, gosh, hope that thing just doesn't shoot off. You're not even thinking of that. It may fall off, but you don't have any thought about it. Gravity just, if we, right? If you're in a spaceship and there's no gravity, what happened? They all float around. But you're not thinking of that. Nobody's using your faith this morning to keep the flower baskets down. That's what happens to us in life. See, you're not using your faith for these things that you already just see sitting there, but you're not thinking of the force behind it that's already there because do you y'all see gravity anywhere? I can't grab it. I can't touch it. I can't feel it. But we know it's there because it's still sitting there. But what happens to us when you start to release your faith and believe in the promises of God, things start moving. And we're too accustomed to just looking at things and not releasing our faith and believing in what God's promise says. We're just looking at the natural events around us and saying, well, that's just the way it is. Mm-mm. Number eight, God gives you power to live life. Listen, we're all faced with different obstacles. I cannot tell you why some people's lives end up crazy. I, I, I don't know why. I don't know if it's, a, it's the sowing and the reaping or, 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 or how that all falls into effect, but I do know this. No matter what's going on in your life, God gives you the power to live life. 2 Timothy 1.7, God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power. God gave you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. God gave you ability to have power on this earth to walk through it. But the only way you're going to walk through it, church, listen to me, is to be a believer and believing in the promises of God. Because if you just look at the world and you're looking out there that you're naturalized and trying to figure it all out, you're going to get discouraged and you're going to say, I don't see how this is going to happen. I don't see how this is going to work. I don't know how you're going to do this, Lord. Or you can get up in the morning and say, Lord, I don't know. All I know today is I'm just going to get up and worship you and praise you and exalt you and just keep living my life. And God, you're going to take care of everything. Everything's going to work out okay. But you got me. You got me held in your hand. I'm in the palm. John 10, 29. I'm in the palm of my Father's hand. Ain't nothing taking me out. And I'm here with you. And you're going to see it all through and just... Order my steps and prepare my way, make all the crooked paths straight, claiming those promises and walking in them. Number nine, God's presence brings joy. Psalm 1611, for I will show you the path of life and in your presence is the fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The presence of God brings joy in your life. It doesn't bring sorrow. It should not bring sorrow. Even if you're getting the presence of God in a conviction, he says, you need to stop doing that. He's only telling you to stop doing it so you can stop doing it so you can, he can get the blessings coming into you. Why? Because I already got a promise that he's always good. 
I got to promise that he's always kind. I got to promise that he's always compassionate. But what are you going to believe? Number 10. God will fill you with joy and peace. It says in Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace. <laughs> says it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> how more direct can you get? Now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace. Hello? I don't know why so many Christians look like they've been sucking on a lemon. I don't know. Don't make no sense to me. God's given you everything, but you, you're, 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 you're trying to do what God wants you to do, but you're trying also to do it all by the world's ways, and it doesn't work. What causes you to look like you've been sucking on a lemon is living by the world's ways. Y'all know, know this. We're all country people, right? City people always think, always think they're smarter than we are because whatever, education or dress or whatever, they always think they're smarter, right? And we all know we're smarter, but <clears throat> it's really easy to get intimidated by this world. It's really easy to have this world put you down and to intimidate you and, 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 and put you into a place where, you know, even if you did make it, they're going to steal it from you, Right? But isn't it a whole lot better to just wake up in the morning and say, Lord, just fill me today with joy and peace, no matter what's going on, and to know that, that the biggest force on this earth is for you. Number 11, Isaiah 41.10, God will strengthen you. Fear not, for I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What, what, what more can we need? But I don't feel it. I can't get it. You got to get the faith going. You got to believe the promise. You got to work the promise. You got to turn to God and say, I, I, I found over here in Romans 6, I mean, Hebrews 6, where you swore to yourself and you're a man that can't lie. So get her done. You see, you can't talk to God like that. I do. And this Lord, this is what your promise says. And you said you'd do it, and I believe you. So you got to be doing it. And I don't, you said, don't look at the things that are seen for the things that are seen are temporal. So that's got to change. But the things that are not seen, they're eternal. So. You know, Lord, I, I see, I know what I'm looking at with my eyes, but Lord, you got to make it work out somehow because you said you're going to make it work out somehow. So somehow out of this situation, I'm going to be blessed. It's like I've said before, you driving down the road and you hear a clunk and then you hear your car rattling. You don't immediately think, man, I get, you know, five gallon bucket of gold coins must have run over and hung up in my car. I need to stop and get them out. No, you immediately think, oh, I ran over something, my muffler's falling off, or this is broke, or this is done. You don't ever think of something good, right? Because we're programmed that way. We're programmed by this world and by this world's nature and the fallen, cursed world we live in. We're programmed by it to expect bad. But truly, as a believer, you got to get hold of, of, of of your faith and who you are, and you got to get hold of it, and you got to say, wait a minute, God, this is what you said. And so somehow or another, you got to make this happen in my life. And start, you start expecting it then. Where's the blessings? Where's the good? What's God? Oh, wow. What are you going to do today, Lord? I bet it's going to be good. You're looking for it. Why? Because you're a believer. You're not special. You're just a believer. Twelve. God will give you wisdom. James 1, 5, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So if you need wisdom for the situation you're in, God, gives you, God wants to give you wisdom. 
Okay, stipulation, are you going to listen? But the point I'm making is God said he'd give it to you if you'd believe him, but it's another whole message, or are you going to listen? I mean, we're those kind of people, if it doesn't work the first time, try it again. And if it doesn't work the second time, well, then try it the third. And before long, we just keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, which is the definition of insanity. 13, John 10, 10, God promised you abundant life, abundant life. Not abundant finances, abundant life. I've seen people that had no finances but had abundant life. All right? Says a thief come, will come to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come to give you uh, that they may have life, and they may have life more abundantly. He's so promised you abundant life. All right? Number 14. God has a plan for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and hope. God has a plan for you. It's a good plan. It's a plan full of his kindness and his compassion and his love for you. But are we going to be believers or doubters? How could, how could the world steal everything from me if God has promised me a good future and a hope? I don't believe it can happen that way. Oh, well, we just learn to adapt and suffer through. Yeah, the Apostle Paul said, I do know how to live in abundance, and I do know how to live and be abased. I do know that. All right? But what I'm saying to you is no matter what comes my way, God is going to turn it around, and I'm going to have abundance out of it, and he's got a good plan for me, and when I get to the plan, it's going to be good on the other end of it as long as I keep trusting him. That brings comfort to you and peace to your heart. The last one, okay, is God promises you eternal life. John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I'm going to be with Jesus wherever he's at. You see, folks, this is, this, is what you, this is what you get in salvation. But a lot of Christians are turning around and saying, well, you know, the, you know that's all in the end. You're going to get these blessings at the end. No, they're now. Oh, sure, and you get to heaven. I don't know how that's all going to work out. I just know I'm going to be glad I'm there and not worry about it, right? But I know that right now God wants these promises in your life, but you have to be a believer. They don't come to doubters. They come to believers, right. right? You can't be in doubt and walk in the promises of God. So look at the person beside you say, I'm a believer, not a doubter. Hello? Everybody with me this morning? Because yes. I'm telling you, church, just those 15 things you need. And there's 7,000 more you can find, or maybe 88,000, right? I, I, I don't know. I'm not going to put a number on it. There's a bunch. You can spend the rest of your life doing it. There's 259 right here that I wrote down in the New Testament. And by the way, if anybody wants one of these, they're in the bookstore. You can go get one. But I'm just telling you, you've got you, you to gotta find it. You've got to search it out. You've got to find out what's yours. You've got to find out what's yours. Amen? Amen? Amen. Well, put your Bibles up and stand up if you would. Can I have my prayer team come down? Listen to me. I want to pray for you. Everybody out there listening and watching in the broadcast. All of this that I talked about this morning can be yours <laughs> for the simple low price <laughs> of giving your life to Jesus.
When you believe on him as a son of God and his blood comes upon your life and washes your sins away. Because you see, you can't, there's no price you can put on your soul. You cannot pay for your soul. There's nothing you can do. There's not enough amount of penance on this earth to do to buy your soul. The only thing that can buy your soul is the blood of Jesus Christ. So if you're out there today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't know that today if you died, if you're going to go to heaven or not. You don't know if that, if that scripture, John 14, I read, is yours. because You don't know if you're going to be with Jesus. Well, the Bible simply says, if you will confess with your mouth and you will believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, ask him to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins. He will. He'll touch you right where you are. And that is your salvation. Then he will set you on a course to go to heaven and all these promises become yours. So right there, just just pray if that's you and say, Jesus, come into my life. Invite him in right there in your home, in your car, wherever you may be. If you're in here today and you're not sure that if you died, you'd go to heaven. That's why we have prayer team people up here. These guys are up here to just pray with you. You can come up here. Maybe you're maybe you got saved as a child, but you're just not sure you hadn't been living right. You just don't feel that 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 assuredness in your heart that you're right with God. Well, just come pray with them. Get it out. Get it over. Don't go out that door. Get it over. So that you know that you know that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life. And then all these promises are yours. I want to encourage you, church. Check yourself out. Look into your heart. The first thing I said, he said, turn your heart to me and learn my statutes. So check yourself. Are you living in faith or are you living in doubt? Are you a believer or a doubter? Check yourself. Find those areas of your life where you're walking in doubt. You've let doubt creep in and get it out. Just simply repent. Say, God, I'm sorry. What am I doing? And get going on the right track. Amen. So let me pray for you. Father, I pray over everybody right now. I just believe, Lord, right now today that you've opened up some eyes. I believe that, some, that the power of God has been released into the people. Because, Lord, you said you'd turn their hearts from their idols unto the living God. And if we've made doubt an idol, Lord, turn it today. I pray over everybody, Lord God, that, they're, that they would see and that they would see that when, when they've been walking in doubt, myself included, Lord, that I don't want to walk in doubt. I want to be a believer. And I just thank you that today we can leave out of here with joy. We can have peace. We can know, God, that you've, you're taking care of us, that your assurance is upon us. And God, you are so good to us that your goodness and your mercy are following us today. So, Lord, bless them as we go out into the world, Lord God. Let us have a confession going out and telling people the good news about Jesus, that he is so awesome and so great. And, Lord, I thank you for a hunger in their hearts to seek your promises out. Bless them now, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.